Hi, welcome to Everyday Wild. I'm Daniel. G'day everyone, it's Agravain here. How are you Agravain? Great. Excellent. So today we're just going to hear the second part of the interview I did with Eric. And in this interview, Eric's going to be talking about another encounter that he had. Some similarities, but actually quite different and also very interesting. Very, very different feel to this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so without further ado, we'll, we'll get into that and then we'll come back and have a bit of a chat afterwards. So you have another experience as well that um, you're happy to talk about? Yeah, um, I do. Um, and we can just bounce straight into that. Yeah. Um, well, this um, is a very different, um, very different um, encounter, but the way that I experience it is 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 is, is similar. Okay. Um, the the awareness of the presence of of this other. Um, this other creature um, occurs in the same way. The, the awareness, I become aware of movement. Um, and then, I've learned, interestingly, um, this second uh, the second story that I'm about to tell is not long after my first encounter with Gillibin. Oh, okay. Similar sort of time where I'm in, in living in the cottage in the south of Scotland, a very isolated spot, beautiful spot. And I'm, I kind of, pine for that part of um, my life again although I wouldn't want to necessarily be m emotionally and physically back there I'm very content with mm. with what I've become to but the, the life that I had there and the the the, the space itself is stunning um, stunning um, piece of um, countryside so so amazing freshwater springs several different freshwater springs just coming out the ground um, beautiful cold clear water it's an amazing place but putting that aside for the moment um this encounter uh, is only a few days weeks months after seeing gillibin for the first time but i don't think it's necessarily connected to to that but i was very um switched on um to the way that i was becoming aware of these of 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 um non-physical entities Okay. As, that's what I would call them at the time, and, and I'm still relatively comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, Just pause there. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, this, this, uh, the second story. Mm -hmm. Only a few weeks after um, the Gillibin potentially, mm. um, where I'm in my garden, um, which I've created a, a veggie garden, and um, I'm at the gate. There's a double gate which the car drives in, and the gate's open. And um, I become aware of something black, uh, like a piece of tumbleweed um, tumbling across the ground um, and having my back turned to it at that point. But I become aware of it out the the right hand side of my um, the, the the right hand side of my peripheral vision of my right eye, and um, I don't turn to look at it because I've learned not to do that. Mm. And I say, I see you, spirit. Uh, and I maybe even ask who you are, who are you? I don't know, but I become very quickly aware of a, of a phrase um, that, that uh, it calls itself the trouble fetcher. Mm. And um, 
at that point, I become increasingly aware of its of its uh, appearance as well, and it reminds me a little bit of a of a character from a comic book, which was um, the Beano, was a British um, comic book kids paper comic book from that era where Dennis the Menace was the character and he had a slight troublesome black dog which walked around on its on its hind legs. Um, he was called Nasher, spelt with a G. Mm. I always used to call him Ganasher, but um, <laughs> apparently it's not, not pronounced the G. Um, typical English uh, word. Anyway, so he looked a little bit like Nasher, and, um, but he was black, um, like I said, like a bit of tumbleweed, and he may be able to roll, maybe he was rolling, um, but he can also scuttle on, on two legs as well. I couldn't see any um, additional, I couldn't see any forearms or four legs. It was, he was, and no head as such. His body and his head were one thing. Yeah. And his legs just kind of, well, maybe he had some torso and, and other limbs underneath, but his hair was quite thick, like a ball, like I said, like a tumbleweed. Mm. And um, I couldn't even really see features uh of a face but i could tell that there was eyes and um, sensory organs on his body head mm. they were under and he was making in a beeline for the back door of my house which was um in the definitely in the direction that he was heading he was coming in from the open gate and he was heading for the house trouble fetcher and um I thought, no, 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 no. I've been trouble fetcher. <laughs> I mean, the name gives it away. <laughs> <laughs> it does. He's not even trying to hide his uh, his intentions, and I don't know exactly what his plan was, or um, or trouble was obviously in it. Um, but uh, I didn't run for the house door or anything. But uh, I was uh, increasingly aware of the of the need to. Um, protect my property yeah and um i was doing smoking ceremonies and i still do smoking ceremonies uh -huh. to to cleanse myself and to cleanse my physical space and the and the immediate space around my house the back garden and front garden etc but uh, i did at that point um do some um cleansing ceremonies in the house i'm not sure if trouble fetcher actually made it into the house or not um i could replay the vision you know and i have had some success with that actually in the past to replay the initial vision and where it um, my initial encounter with him is only as long as where I turn round in my mind's eye I turn to where he is and I don't see him getting anywhere close to the back door actually okay he doesn't roll around the corner of the house in the vision and head into the house and fetch trouble all over my house um all I see him is coming through the gate um I'm not sure if I it's like I said, it's 2000, 2002, 2003, potentially. I'm not sure if I intentionally go to close the double gates to mm. keep him out mm. or if he simply uh, realises that he's been spotted and he moves on somewhere else. Mm. But I remember... Well, it sounds like to me like, well, emotionally or in some ways you've kind of settled on the idea that he didn't go in. You don't feel as though he did. I could conjure the image in my mind of him rampaging around my house like a tumbleweed fetching trouble all over the house, but there's something insubstantial about that uh, uh -huh. vision. I could conjure the, I could make my mind make that image happen, yep. but there's something sort of distant and, and almost less substantial about the quality of the vision. 
Yeah. Um, That's an interesting way of framing it. It's almost like the, the there's like a, almost like a, a negative image of an old photograph. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like it doesn't have color or um, it's uh, there's a, there's a di- there's a different quality which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I guess that might be the the, the the essence of it is that I know that I'm creating it. Yeah. I know that I'm tr- consciously trying to create the image. All that I didn't create was the initial um, encounter of him tumbling, telling me his name. I'm saying it's a him as well. Mm. Um, um, I remember telling my mum about it. Uh, mom, my mum was quite good at uh, soundboarding different um, experiences. And in fact... I think it's probably her that started me off on the journey of acceptance of, of the, the spirit world. Okay. Which is probably what she called it at that point. Do um, you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, was there a time where she started talking to you about that or was it just sort of in the air? Um, I, think, I think the first memory that I have of, of, of my mum being interested in the non-physical world was, was a discussion that she'd had with a neighbour. He was called Ian Carter. Um, he's a very wise man, but he's he's died now. Um, but not necessarily a a spiritual man. But uh, he had a book which I never read, but Mum had borrowed. It was called Seth Speaks, and I don't know the the, the author. But I remember my mum talking about reading this book that Ian Carter had given her. It was a uh, a story about a woman or the character. It was a it's a true story who had had a an experience with a, a non-physical entity, the, the body, the, the, the spirit of a dead person who called himself Seth, and Seth was speaking to... Yeah, I think woman. I remember that. Uh, a long time ago. Yeah. This would be the early 80s at that point, but who knows how old the book was. But I remember Mum yeah. talking about um, the book Seth Speaks and um, relaying some of the details of the book, which I can't remember, in a very factual way. This is the truth, mm. son. That that was the energy with which Mum was telling me this thing, and and I had no reason to distrust my Mum, um, and uh, I guess that was my my um, my foot in the door, if you like, to the <laughs> the, the the possibilities of um, of um, the world of spirit, mm. which Gillibin and the Trouble Fetcher are are part of, mm. and how we interact with them, and mm. um, the, the 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 journey towards finding something which is considerable as truth mm. yeah and it's um, I, often people say well how do you know it's real and that kind of thing or is it true mm. um, and I've increasingly come to think that that's the wrong question that is it's based on an unarticulated idea of real assumed idea of real that everyone kind of thinks is universal but isn't never has been mm. <laughs> you know it's quite recent really um in terms real. Of, well the idea of real that is uh say materialist or reduces the possibility of real to that which can be tested through sense data Okay. Um, so that's a very particular idea of real and a, like a western um, yeah, sense in, in inverted right. commas yeah yeah. so that's often what people mean by real but you know that's just 
a real it's not the real yeah well you know you don't have to travel far into into other societies or into other societies into global communities um and interview a section of the the people who live there to find mm. out that their sense of real is 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 real that's right you know? and and yeah. so is ours and so is theirs and so is the neighbors and on and on yeah and reality is is um very much um determined by what people believe yeah it is that's uh, right and i think that's true of us even in kind of you know where we assume our reference is materialist i think our actual experience um our day-to-day experience we kind of theoretically or, or kind of um, conceptually link it to materialist ideas of the real but but actually our experiences aren't really that dependent on that and often they step outside of it um arguably all the time and um and we either overlook that or um or just completely deny it or sometimes we accept it and we build on it and we learn from it yeah which is um, kind of what you've done. Building something, mm. building some something believable. Mm. And I think to answer a question which you didn't actually answer, which was to, 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 to say, how do you know it's real? How do you know? Mm. And, you know, I think the truth is, Dan, I actually don't know no. that it's real. I think yeah. the, the, the answer um, and what's important is that I believe that it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it real is, is belief. Yeah. something that you just feel you know, yeah. that actually did happen yeah um, um, and it felt real um, and um, and therefore it was mm. yeah. I know people who um, unfortunately suffer from high levels of anxiety or uh, you know it might not necessarily be real what they're experiencing to me mm. or to the person that they're with Mm-hmm. Even I could be experiencing incredible anxiety about something that my my companion is not feeling. Yeah, it doesn't mean that what I'm feeling um, in my highly anxious state isn't real. Mm. I'm experiencing that. This Absolutely. is a real, real thing for me, and um, it doesn't mean that I can't make it not real. I mm. could quite easily uh, change and dis- dis- discard and disregard my experiences and uh, become very different. Mm. Um, but I would have to believe it, which is not so. easy. I it's mean, not that's, easy. that's that bit is quite tricky. Yeah, but um, something potentially or theoretically could happen to me yeah. to make me disregard these experiences. You know what, Eric? You did just make them up. Mm. Um, and uh, but I don't think that I want to do that. So I can't see that that could happen. No, I, I don't need to. No, no. I, I'm glad you've remembered them and that you're hanging on to them as real and um and thanks for sharing them you're welcome Trouble Fetcher. The Trouble Fetcher. What a name. Well, it's unambiguous. Um, <laughs> and I think probably we could all reflect that um, on times where we wish we'd seen it coming. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I wish we'd had the uh, foresight to 
question what we were observing. Yeah. Maybe often we'd get more of a feeling than a really a vision the way Eric had. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think trouble turns up for all sorts of reasons, mm. but um, sometimes it, it may just be that someone like the trouble fetcher is barreling through your gate mm. and um, you didn't see him. In Eric's case, he saw him in a way. He was behind, the trouble fetcher was behind mm. Eric when he, uh, should we say, apprehended mm. and questioned him. Glimpsed him. Didn't he turn and glimpse something out the corner of his eye? He did describe him physically, I think, at one point. Yeah, no, he did, didn't he? Did, I, I remember him talking about it reminding him as the little naughty dog yeah. from the childhood comics. Yeah. I can't remember whether it was Beano or Wizard and Chips, something like that. Oh, <laughs> Wizard and Chips. <laughs> yeah. Um, mischievous little thing. And, mm. and um, yeah, it's interesting that Eric seemed to slow him down at the very least and probably stopped him, but there wasn't a strong recall of what actually happened. He asked, like, he, he said, I see you mm. and asked, who are you? Yeah. Yeah, he was busted. Yeah, totally busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a. It reminds me of this kind of convention within folklore. I can't remember if I've spoken about this already, but um, whereby permission has to be given mm. for entry, and so you'll have all sorts of strange beings knock on the door or the window or that kind of thing. But unless you actually let them in. Invite them in. Or invite them in, yeah. They need to be invited, don't they? I think that's even in vampire law. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they have to be invited in. And that if they're asked their name, often they have to identify themselves. Yeah. Which was certainly what happened yeah. with the trouble fetcher. Yeah. Or, I don't know, is it the trouble fetcher or trouble fetcher? Mm, I think it was just trouble fetcher. Yeah. And there's probably <coughs> plenty of others out there. Mm, mm. Boggarts and beasties. Yeah. Yeah, Boggarts, uh, I think that's where we get Boogeyman from. Oh, right. Yeah. So Eric was talking about, I suppose, not being able to really fix a memory of Trouble Fetcher getting into the house. And I think that's an interesting way to review mm. a memory um, if you're not <coughs> sure about it. Is you know, Does it have kind of emotional purchase or does it not seem to... Uh, yeah, it can be hard with these kind of visions because they, they don't quite occur in your... Uh, no, or, they're they're not front and centre of your normal um, apprehension, are they? No. So you can't lend your real scrutiny to them in the same way that you might an object that's directly in front of you on the table. No, that's right. As, as we were sort of talking about with um, the Gillibin episode. He yeah. certainly described uh, a really strong emotional content, though, to seeing the trouble fetcher or mm. trouble fetcher. He, he had a sense of oh, this is something that's bad news. Mm. And, uh, you know, he, he said, I see you in a kind of warning sort of way. Yeah. I'm on to you. Yeah. Who are you or, or what are you? I can't remember exactly what it was that he said. And the, then he described afterwards, you know, I can't recall whether the trouble... He, and he knew that this creature, being whatever it was, was going to be a bringer of bad, you know, news bad and things duty. happening. Yeah. If it got purchased hold of his life or came into his life too much but then he goes on to say in trying to recall did the trouble fetcher come into my home or my life reviewing that he, he didn't have any sort of 
strong feelings or memories about that. And if mm. if if that trouble fetcher had gotten in, there would be strong emotion that would be fixing that memory as mm. a fixative. Mm. Mm. That wasn't there. No. So I reckon he did the right thing and averted the trouble fetcher onto a, a different course. I, I don't think a being like that necessarily stops, but perhaps it goes somewhere else or manifests yeah. somewhere else for someone else in a different way. Mm. Lucky them. <laughs> What's it for? What is it? Um, if 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 there's an ecosystem and mm. it's a being within an ecosystem, why is it there? Wow. What a question. <laughs> well, I guess in our you know, everyday kind of ecosystems, what sort of things would we consider to be like a trouble fetcher? Yeah. A plague. Yep. That's good. Mm. Uh, they they knock numbers down. They create space in the ecosystem. Yeah. They create change. They're agents of change. Yes, disruptive. Mm. So there are beings that are they they work partly by disruption. Mm. There's others. Would you call something like a cockroach or a fly or a mosquito a trouble fetcher? A little bit. They're small, obviously. They're not. They're mm. not a huge encompassing thing like a plague or a flood or a what have you, but uh, mm. Mm, I don't know either. And again, going back to the plague idea and what what are the other things you would think of? Flood. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pestilence, uh, l- locust type. You know, plague can r- refer to either an illness or an incoming of of little trouble fetches like the, the cockroaches, the locusts, the... Mm. Yeah, there's this, I mean, going back to the vampire, there's this idea of um, feeding on uh, Mm. and, you know, if blood is a metaphor for energy, I guess, or or life force and go on. What if you have an energy in your life that's getting out of balance and that you're not being mindful of? Yeah. And the trouble feature has come to feed on that. Yeah. And I was thinking also that with those uh, big ecosystem type changes like locusts like flood like to some degree bushfires Mm. often they manifest when the system is out of kilter and it's usually out of kilter because uh, something has gotten out of balance and and that might happen in a periodic way in the way that some animal numbers boom and bust usually those big ones are often these days anyway driven by human intervention in ecosystems and, and lack of oversight into what that actually results in long term yeah yeah so intervention creates imbalances or Mm. extreme unmindful intervention yeah i I mean at the moment we have a lot of mosquitoes um Mm. and that was because of all the rain which Mm -hmm. is because of the climate and and some of the flooding is also happening because of uh, drought and Trees have died off. Trees normally mitigate flooding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I wonder if, um, you know, we were to go back and ask Eric if there might have been something in the background he was experiencing that could have potentially become unbalancing. Yeah. I think um, it, just to kind of step back from the idea of balance in mm. a way, I, th- I think often how we're talking about balance is about 
the extent to which the system is convenient for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And well, that's how all those unbalances we were just talking about come about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've tried so hard at making them com- things convenient that uh, we've, we've had perverse effects, I guess. Mm. And, and perhaps also that sense that balance is a static thing when, of course, it's not. No, no. system is ever entirely in balance. And if no. it were, well, it would be a dead system. Really. It would be dead, that's right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that's quite right. But there are functional parameters, I guess, that things yeah, move around. Yeah, that's around a good in. way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, functional for who, I suppose, is the well, question. Well, it needs yeah. to be functional enough for everything for everybody. in the system. Yeah. Yes, yeah, for everybody, exactly. So, so maybe maybe we're um, on the brink of uh, meeting a gigantic trouble fetcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's, yeah. it's stepped over the horizon well and truly. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we left the gate open, didn't we? Yeah. And um, and we looked away. We looked away. We didn't ask the questions. Mm. Well, some people did, but not enough people were paying attention to the answers. Oh, I like how we've just turned that into a huge moral tale. But, yes. Um, <laughs> a rump and et cetera. It's all right. I don't not have a problem with that at all. I think no, that's, no, uh, yeah. you know, that's a very important part of who we are and what we are as beings is we have that capacity you know and yep. we we can't afford to just ignore it because look what happens when look what we happens do. yeah yeah and we can't afford to just assume that it's one thing or another either no going back to perhaps some of that discussion we had in the previous episode about um, you know the only acceptable paradigm for unusual experiences is religion and how somehow that gets to negate mm-hmm. things that are actually pathological mm-hmm on a human scale yes, and right. or on a global scale. Yep. Yeah. So um, we need better psychiatrists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for people to go to them. <laughs> that, that broaden the, the scale. We need eco-psychologists. Eco-psychologists, yeah. And not just people focusing on our eco-distress, but anyway. We, uh, no, forget that. That's <laughs> I, I think that that could go somewhere, but um, yeah, wow, that's another one to ponder and think about. Yeah, yeah, reconvene yeah. later. Yeah, um, anything else? Pat more kittens. Pat more kittens. Um, Sniff more flowers. I mean, do we pat the the trouble fetcher? How do we? Um, I mean, I think we have to be assertive, um, but on that micro I think scale, we wave it on its way. Wave it on its way. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel a funny trouble. kind of affection for little trouble fetcher. <laughs> like the little dog in the comic? Maybe so, yeah. I was a little brother once. and uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Yeah. Maybe we should talk to your sisters. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> All right, we might wind up there. There's another episode. <laughs> Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Bye, everyone. See ya.